And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! Gee! He's round the goalkeeper! He's done it! And tame, and tame again. Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! Plausible parliamentary football chants with Sir Keir Starmer. Les Mis meets Serie A. Andy Townsend in and around the Foo Fighters. The future Turkish Super League 11. The true origin of the proverbial Farmers League bringing the great AC Jimbo down to our level, living rent-free in match-of-the-day commentators' heads, the death row recipes of Keys and Grey, Maisie Adam goes top bins for her sins, the ultimate Gary Neville mega-mix, Tim Vickery in the zone of elaboration, Ian Dark's mid-90s WWF voice twin, the cliches quiz roller coaster of niche knowledge, off-duty Peter Drury, Birds of a feather, no disrespect to Egg, the strategic net-busting importance of the village of Bagworth, and the most disturbing football montage of the year. Brought to your ears by The Athletic in 2022, this was the best of football cliches. 2022 kicked off with some unprecedented scenes, a never-before-heard football commentary intonation that swiftly took on a transatlantic musical life of its own. I have been waiting the best part of a week to share this with you and everybody else. Um, The Athletics' Kieran Devlin said this to me. He said he was watching highlights of Juventus Napoli last week and there was a commentary moment that he'd never heard anywhere else before. It was almost unsettling, he said. I want to set this up even more. What we're talking about is a very, very specific element of football commentary, Dave and Charlie. It is the moment the player shoots from about 22 yards or so a presentable opportunity, but not a clear-cut chance. Nothing that a commentator could build up to necessarily. So you couldn't really give it a, a big build-up. It's more of a snapshot situation. Here, <laughs> from the Serie A highlights of Juventus versus Napoli, is uh, Federico Chiesa shooting from distance. <laughs> so intrigued by what this is going to be. Chiesa with space to run into. Dembe trying to close him off. Federico Chiesa gets the shot away. At that time, Ospina <laughs> flung himself to his right. <laughs> Can we hear it again, please? <laughs> Chiesa with space to run into. Dembe trying to close him off. Federico Chiesa gets the shot away. At that time, Ospina <laughs> it's beautiful. flung himself to his right. This sounds exactly like the song in Les Mis. The da-da-da-da-da. Uh, <laughs> Gets the shot away. It's I knew exactly it would be that same delivery. I knew there would be something musical about it. <laughs> Master of the house. Gets the shot away. Thanks to Alexander Ward, who had the uh, wherewithal to to put together the Serie A commentary that we know and love with the Les Mis soundtrack. For these schoolboys, they will wet themselves Why with blood. Watch them run Gets the shot away. <laughs> Never know your luck when there's a free for all. Here's a little dip. Yeah, we had great fun with this, didn't we, Dave? And then um, dropping into my inbox last week was uh, Bill Hupp, who says, uh, I'm an American sports commentator from St. Paul, Minnesota, and a loyal listener to the podcast, reaching out to share a little tribute to football cliches that I managed to sneak into a recent ice hockey playoff broadcast. This is from the Minnesota State High School League Section 7AA quarterfinal. Who's put... Picked up by Anderson. 
He skates into the zone. Drop pass for Penner. Gets the shot away. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. What a lovely touch, Dave. Brilliant. Oh, that is tremendous. January also saw the biggest transfer coup for the Football Clichés podcast so far. Labour Party Supremo and leader of the opposition Sir Keir Starmer on Mesut Harland Dicks. But before he got into such niche obscure material as playing football, going to games and goals, we grilled him about his previous day's display at Prime Minister's Questions. Just to pick up on your performance at PMQs on Wednesday. Now, I'm not denying the democratic importance of Prime Minister's questions, but it does occasionally become something of a spectator sport for some. Um, the whole image of this kicked off with a, a tweet that I saw that says, Keir Starmer has tested negative for COVID this morning. He will face Boris Johnson at PMQs this lunchtime. Team news for PMQs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the week before, um, it was like the, the, the team sheets where it's got, you know, who's playing, and then underneath it has, you know, Starmer, open brackets, um, COVID or, or <laughs> the test rather than me or thigh or whatever it may be. But this, yeah, half, half past six in the morning, uh, just before PMQ's testing, I needed a double negative to get out and get on mm. the pitch. Um, and, and through it came about half past six. So there was a little bit of a celebration around the kitchen, I have to say, at that point. <laughs> Next up, one of the godfathers of modern co-commentary gave us a little glimpse in and around his musical tastes. Come back, Andy Townsend. We love you. One of these, I've been waiting several days to bring this to the world, um, despite the fact it was brought to me by the world. This is Andy Townsend on TalkSport, talking about (laughs) the Foo Fighters. And I think this is the moment, Dave and Charlie, where I'm prepared to anoint him as the voice of football, because no one has ever spoken about something non-football in the most footballing tone of voice <laughs> ever. A bit of Foo Fighters, Ed. Why, why, why have we got a bit of Foo Fighters? Well, I, I'm actually going to see them next year at Villa Park, um, and I've not seen them. I absolutely love the Foo Fighters. I mean, it's a great song, Everlong. I mean, he plays this as an acoustic version or like this, the original. What a song this is, by the way. Talk about get everyone going. The minute the minute you walk out, and he, he rolls this one out. Brilliant. They're, I just think they're a great band. Great. And, and I, everyone has been to see them, Jay. As right. They've all said to me... Have you never seen them? No, I haven't. You've never seen I them? I can't okay. wait to see them. Everyone said to me how brilliant they are. Absolutely outstanding. Like, like just one of those bands where you come away and you go, oh, wow, that was amazing. So yeah. is it Foo Fighters all day? Is that, is that what we've got here on Drive? We've got a few surprises for you. <laughs> Dave, every single element of that, he could be talking about like a really good player as they warm yeah. up before a game. The tone so of voice good. is exactly the it's same. so good. You know, I went to see him last week. If anything, if anything, Dave Grohl played it too well. <laughs> I, I did think there was going to be a bit of like, they give it everything. They leave nothing out there. And that, that, that's what you pay for. You know, they're going to play the wrong notes at times, but we want to see them making the effort. We all know they've given everything and, and they do that every week, week in, week out. You just know when you're going to go and see the Foo Fighters, they're going to give 8 out of 10 every single week. We then enjoyed what could only be described as either Paul Merson doing Paul Merson things or stop it, Paul Merson. The language of football has a family. Next up, this is this week's I Couldn't Wait to Talk About This on the Football Clichés podcast bit. Uh, this is from Daniel Holt. Paul Merson, Charlie, was on Carabao Cup duty on Thursday night. This is um, Arsenal versus Liverpool. Uh, Merson talking about Arsenal's prospects in the Carabao Cup this season. And I think we couldn't have found a better example of how football and just being in football completely overrides the wider language. You know, you've got this far, you know, try and take it now. You know, they, they work so hard to bring it back to the Emirates. And this is a semi-final, you know, come what February, every <laughs> professional footballer will be sitting at home watching Chelsea v Liverpool or the Arsenal wishing I wish I was playing in this game. Oh my, where do you but... start? <laughs> need, to, need to set the stall out very early here. This isn't us taking the piss out of someone no. speaking. This is us. This is us genuinely fascinated by the logic by which this must have taken hold, Dave, because it, because the logic is, seem, is perfectly clear. Come what February, that's what people say. Fine. It does make sense. <laughs> just change the month. Yeah. It <laughs> just change the month. <laughs> it, it, it's, not, it's not his fault that the League Cup final is always in that weird slot. It's quite it annoying, isn't it? It does make sense. Come what February. <laughs> come what February. It does roll off the tongue. Come what June, come what July, you want to be playing in the World Cup. Yeah, it could be any month. It's just rare there isn't another month, is there, than, than May. It's opened up to question, Charlie, because, I mean, 
now I want to do a kind of poll out there of unsuspecting people about whether they think May is indeed a month... Capitalised or not. <laughs> you know, yes. But it did seem weird to me, Dave. It, it seemed weird to me and... and It jumped out straight away and I was fascinated by it. And I thought, seems an unusual thing to say, but no, it does seem weird. But has he done it before? He has done it before. This is August 2020 in the first round draw of the Carabao Cup. I love this trophy. I think it's a big part of our our game. Man City have got a grip on this, but when there ain't two legs in a semi-final... You know, you never know on a one-off game. So, for me, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a great competition. Come what February, on a Sunday, you put the telly on and every professional footballer watching that will be thinking, if they're not there, will be thinking, I wish I was playing in that. I would go as far to say now, Dave, that come what February should now be the official tagline for the Carabao Cup. (laughs) (laughs) The Carabao, come what February. The Carabao (laughs) Cup final. I I almost think that this wouldn't work from any, if anyone else was saying it. Merson does have a... He's got a peculiar ability to just mangle the language, but still just rolls off the mm. tongue and makes sense. You can kind of imagine Jamie Redknapp saying it, Charlie. Yes, that is, that is, that is, that is definitely true. In, in, in quite not a the same. I don't. There's not the same charm, though. I don't think. There's, there's, a, there's no. no, no exactly. has got a twinkle in his eye. Yeah. Mm. We rounded off January with one of our most important projects to date the future Turkish Super League eleven, and in particular, its potential English midfield engine room. Oh, Deli Ali, we were tantalisingly close to getting you spot on. Yeah, Rhys Jones-Jack says bonus random Englishman is Deli Ali rebuilding at Trabzonspor. A little, is it far-fetched? Do you think he would do that? I, I just can't, I feel like he would still get a little bit of mileage in England. Well, he will for have, now, but it depends how the next move yeah, goes. Uh, I have got, I, I've got Deli Ali written down in, in my personal team. I didn't have Lingard. I think in practice terms Lingard is likelier just in the sense that Lingard's out of contract this summer and you can see it whereas I think Delhi is probably a good maybe a year or two away from it but I think they would both fit because that you know they would both see it as an opportunity to play football and score goals and I think the fans would like them so yeah what about Ross Barkley yeah Ross Barkley that is that 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 does tick those boxes and he's maybe further along that path just because he's had quite a few loans already it feels like Certainly had that one at Villa last season, didn't he? Midfield is so tricky here. There are so many good names. Donny van der Beek, Nemanja Matic, Lucas Moura. Fred is another one that potentially could fit in as a midfielder. Czech Republic, David Luiz, lookalike Alex Kral. (laughs) Saul Niguez. Still in China, Oscar. I don't know about the. I don't know about what this does for our tactics, and I don't know how much we care about tactics. Perhaps we should touch on it slightly. But here's a couple of adventurous names for you, Jack. Billy Grimmel says Felipe Anderson is destined to join Galatasaray, scoring 15 goals across two seasons before a return to the Premier League in 2025 with a loan to a struggling West Brom side. The ultimate <laughs> Premier League unfinished business redemption. How do you feel about this? I had to. Re- I had to remember who Felipe Anderson was, and it's like, oh yeah, the West Ham guy. Okay, <laughs> that is a good shout there. Okay, let's give you a more familiar name then. Pete Martin. Pete Martin says 31-year-old Manuel Lanzini signing on a free from Fenerbahce, scoring twice on his debut, won a beautiful half volley from the edge of the box, shows glimpses over the next 18 months before returning to River Plate on loan after a disappointing return of six goals and two assists in 49 games. Tell me otherwise, Jack, because I'm going to go for Manuel Lanzini if you don't. Uh, I'm not going to tell you otherwise. I think Lanzini's a perfect shout. He sits exactly in that in that kind mm. of bracket of good but not too good not he's very good but he's not too good he's not so good that he won't end up in turkey the big question in february what do you get when you mix a scottish football commentator and a goal scored from fully 40 yards well as it turns out just a little bit more than you probably should this is luis suarez doubling atletico madrid's leader osasuna in rather spectacular style but my question to you and to everyone before we listen to this clip at what point does the standard good goal commentary intonation just become a little bit too aggressive? Caught underneath it a little bit on the counter now. One ball, defence to attack. Luis Suarez, that's in! What a finish! 2-0! Brilliant! Absolutely brilliant! <laughs> sort of slightly softens it towards yeah, the end, saying, Charlie. But for the rest of it, it's like he's shouting it out of a cab window. He's just, yeah, he's getting up and up and up. And only with that final bit is he... Sl- it's like, OK, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. I've calmed Two down! We're <laughs> finished! That is fantastic. Just chill out, Mark Donaldson. I mean, Davis used to do employ this sort of um, chastising thing a bit, didn't he? Which was, which was yeah. brilliant. But yeah, that's just all-out aggression. I mean, you can kind of see 
where that kind of grey area is between, you know, Im- impressed kind of enthusiasm and, and, it, and you can kind of understand where aggression comes into it because it's an emphatic thing, especially for a goal like that, sort of, you know, sort of spanked home from 40 yards over the goalkeeper's head. But I just genuinely think it, it's about 4 or 5% too much. <laughs> February continued with some linguistic archaeology as we interrogated Joe Cole's historical use of one of football's most withering post-internet put-downs. Next up, the Athletics' Dominic Fifield met up with Joe Cole and he was reminiscing about his year in Lille, Charlie. And this quote caught my eye. He says, I was blown away at how good the league was. People have been telling me it was a farmer's league. Uh, A couple of people (laughs) have said, did the phrase farmer's league exist in circa August 2011? It's close thing. I is what did I'm wonder whether that was an anachronism, I have to say. It's like it should be on IMDb as a goof, shouldn't it? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Well, actually, they weren't wearing the, uh, that particular model. It's always of a watch. watch. <laughs> if you, yeah, if you are. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's that if, if you were being generous, you might say it's that it might have been around in the circles he moved in, even if it wasn't such a ubiquitous sort of Twitter phrase. That's eminently possible. It's eminently possible. Nick, uh, there was only one place to consult for this, uh, which was obviously Twitter. So I had a little look, had a little dig around. There were early rumblings of the phrase Farmers League from the start of Twitter in 2006, but it was exclusively from actual Farmers Leagues. <laughs> And that is in leagues, unions of farmers Uh, in uh, in California. So as amused as I was by that, that doesn't count. Um, So I had to race forward all the way to March 2011. So this was about six, five months before Joe Cole made his move. Uh, And someone tweeted, this is the Premier League, not the Farmers League Division 20. Shocking. The pitch looks like the cows have been grazing on it. But even then, I thought, that's not quite a direct enough reference. It's, that's just someone saying that the pitches would be rubbish in the mm. lower divisions of a, far, of a farmer's league. So, you know, directly referencing agriculture. So I thought, we need, we need, we need to find, dig a little deeper to find the genesis of this. This was December 2011, just after Joe Cole had moved to Lille. And someone tweeted to Leon Knight, once of Brighton and Chelsea, I think he's a but to be fair, he's England captain and you play in a farmer's league. Hashtag real talk. Whoa. <laughs> wow. That's it. The first ever mention on Twitter of farmer's league in a derogatory context. The big names just kept coming for Mesut Harland Dix. Next up was Rye podcast host turned Rye podcast guest, James Jimbo Richardson, who we quickly got to buy into the granular football cliches philosophy. I've managed to finally kind of engineer this section into mm-hmm. cliches territory because Charlie um, James disputes the idea that uh, Qualiorella could be a scorer of great goals, but not a great goal scorer. And I accept his logic absolutely fine, but that does lead us to the inevitable question: What is the threshold? Mm. And we asked our listeners what the threshold for being uh, what I will now mm. refer to as a sogbenyag, sogbenyag. Uh, slightly Scandinavian, isn't it? James Baseman93 writes in, says, scorer of great goals has, has some variety to their great goals, a la Qualiarella, rather than simply one trademark great goal. So variety is key here, would you say? We can get onto the numbers later, but variety is key. Um, I know, uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's somebody you'd want to be talking about for one or two special goals, whether they're of a similar ilk, rather than their volume of goals. I mean, obviously that's inherent in it. But I think the, the second part, the but not a great score of goals, comes down to the number that they miss for me. I mean, that's oh, what would okay. be in my head, that it's, it's their ratio of actually putting the, the chances away. You know, so it's all very well scoring a couple of worldies, but if, you, if you're continually missing out on your bread and butter opportunities then for me you're going to be not a oh, great so there's a level of, of kind of haplessness involved as well that feels unromantic yeah, i think it means you're very good at scoring very good goals mm. but you're not very good at just scoring goals no, true. interesting true. but i think that's more about finishing than which is a slightly mm-hmm. which obviously is related but i i think of it more as those who I'm trying to think who, who in the someone like zola I don't think of him as missing chances. I just don't think of him as someone particularly who was always getting okay. in the box. They don't and choose to get into those. Almost, yeah. Sort of it's like they're kind two of two yards out positions, yeah. do they? Okay, okay. I think we're going to get closer here now. Three more for you. Mungo Blurry, James. There's Olivier Giroud. 
spectacular goals, but missing something from his game and a lack of consistency. I'm I'm inclined to agree to an extent, but probably too much for Poacher as well. He scores some scruffy goals, deliberately so. Yeah, I, I can't can't disagree with you there, but he has scored some some yeah. wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, well, yeah mm, definitely getting goals. closer to it. Charlie Collins T twenty six says numerically a Sogbanyag cannot be going at a lick any better than one in four. At least 50% of their goals must be either outside of the area or volleyed. And if at all possible, they must be Mark Hughes. Because <laughs> he's been the poster boy for this for, for decades for me. Has he? Yeah. Is that who Mark he's Hughes the is? Ultimate. He's always been is the he? one defined by this. Is he? I think you can have a sort of one in three be around that mark hmm. and still not be considered a great goal scorer. Okay. When you, when, Adam, when you do reach a definition on this and the other. Very, very worthwhile uh, kind of inquiries that you do. Do you? How do you know, let the rest of football know? Do, is it by email or do you? Do you have a WhatsApp group? Email or UEFA. Get on the line with 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 Arsenal. Or <laughs> yeah. what there should be lines of communication. But a final note on this, and a, a complete coincidence, I swear to you. Nakul Pandey writes in and says it should be under fifteen goals a season for a striker, or under ten for a midfielder. A good concentration of overhead kicks. Uh, Thunder bastards. Not a fan, but we'll let it slide this time. And geometrically unlikely flicks. Basically, he says, Fabio Quagliarella. <laughs> Boom. Well, there wow. There you go. Next in the MHD hot seat was living proof that the Football Clichés podcast keeps the nation's football commentators awake at night. Watch out, Martin Tyler. Tread carefully, Jonathan Pierce. We're coming for you. It's Mesut Harland Dicks. And this week... We have Match of the Day commentator Robin Cowan joining us. Robin, welcome. Thank you. It is an absolute honour, Adam. Thank you. <laughs> I actually believe that. Uh, no, it I is. It is. I have a love-hate relationship with this podcast, I must say. It, need to, it needs to be played in my car or on my phone at a specific time, not before a game, mainly. That's the oh. main thing. Why? What, 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 is it living rent-free in your head? Yeah, exactly. Territory. Yeah, something, oh, no. something will, uh, will pop out that you've said. And I'll go. Oh no! <laughs> that will be in, and then it'll be in your podcast the next time. So yeah, it's it's a it's a post match treat for me. <laughs> I'm not going to act horrified. I'm quite pleased in, in a way that we're having this level of impact at the highest level of football commentary. But I mean, few, if any, managed to complete the Guardian Football Weekly Totally Football Show Football Clichés treble. If ever there was going to be a pub quiz about football podcasts, don't rule it out. <laughs> I sense you would be one of the answers. So that also would be an absolute honour. Obviously, the, hi- the highest Good. accolade I could I could. Uh, pick up in my career (laughs) (laughs) honors left right and center i've always kind of wanted to ask this of someone who commentates on match of the day because i mean i imagine the commentary career path there's so many milestones that you that you reach and you remember them and you think okay that was my first x y and z i imagine it must be a great thrill the first time you're on match of the day to have a lineker say your commentator at the bet 365 stadium robin cowan it really is. In, the, in that exact way? Yes. Yeah, no, exactly. I was going to be very sad and kind of record it on my phone. <laughs> have that, or we have some <laughs> no <way>. ringtone. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. You have you have hacked into my Google document and taken the next line. <laughs> um, that's exactly what you should do. But a, a, just a, a wonderful moment in your career. I just feel like that just in that, that first, you know, that few seconds must be... Must be just fill your heart with glee. No, it really does. It, yeah, it puts the uh, the older hairs on the back of the neck. And and actually, you know, my, my dad, you know, I've let him down many times, you know, during my during my, my life. But yeah, uh, he, <laughs> he has said that uh, you know you've been on match of the day. You don't it doesn't really get any better than that. You can pretty much, you know, disappoint me however you want now. You know? <laughs> oh wow, that's it. Job done. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh well, that's it. Yeah, fair enough. Over to Ellen Road next, as the Leeds fans were quite literally willing their team on to Premier League survival towards the business end of 2021-22. This audio was captured from the stands, and it captures one of the most vivid, brilliant examples of a crowd shouting, go on, and it happens twice, and it's great. Two lovely go-ons there. Let's hear it again. One. Two. The first one is so loud. It's it's actually quite impressive, really, that a spontaneous thing with 
40,000 people, however many people in Ellen Road. It's just so perfectly timed. You couldn't get them to do that all in the same time if you were trying to direct them from <laughs> the pitch. Dave's bang on here, Charlie, because it wasn't something that was queued up. It was an instinctive reaction to something unfolding rather than happening. Rafinha was through on goal, essentially, momentarily before he, t- he touched it a little bit wider. So the chance was kind presented, but it wasn't an instant trigger. And it was about as good as if someone had, like, like a manager had come over and punched the air in front of them in, in celebration. That was how how unified that sound brilliantly was. Um, it was such a good go on. And but, but it's just like the most instinctive two words in football. I think it's so good. It's such a specific moment as you know. It's that sudden realization that hold on, he could actually he could shoot here. We could score something like this is this has opened up. And obviously, then in that instance, he. Because he doesn't shoot and then you get you get the second bite at it. Meanwhile, it was time for our first 2022 defining slice of keys and grey gold. And it was handed to us on a massive plate. Well, two plates, actually. Next up, Dave, this is keys and grey segueing effortlessly from geopolitical football issues to what I can only describe as shoot magazine content circa 1996. <laughs> that that line has been blurred too often down the years as well. 2018 World Cup. We yes. were all very happy to, to turn up in Russia and yeah. allow of Putin to sit in, in, yes. in, in the posh seats yes. and, and, and take the money for the Champions League sponsorship and, and, and new UEFA competitions going forward. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, well, mm-hmm. maybe we shouldn't have done that. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, beyond my pay grade. Beyond my, above my pay grade. What's the top kit of all time? <laughs> <laughs> We're now doing Pele v Maradona. Yeah. <laughs> this is what it's come to. It's the last thing we wanted. <laughs> Absolute last thing we wanted. But here's the last thing we've got for you, everybody, in Keys and Grey Corner this week. Someone called Red Tim has stumbled across uh, the 1990 celebrity cookbook, Food for Thought, which contains contributions of their favourite recipes from the likes of Russ Abbott, Cheryl Baker, Krista Berg, Sue Cook, Jim Davidson, Judy Dench, Howard Kendall, Neil Kinnock, Gary Lineker, Maureen Lippman, Linda Lusardi, Annika Rice, Cliff Richard, Margaret Thatcher, Terry Wogan. Um, I've got, I've got, also on the also on the list, I've got the list in front of me. Just is listed British Gas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's what that's that's a potted sort of selection of the uh, contributors. And then after that, it says the editor would also like to thank President Bush and President Gorbachev. Brian Robson. Brian, why is why is Brian Robson in the thank yous but not in the recipes? What did he do? Put it together. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Anyway, um, right, right, smack bang, quite literally in the middle of all of these is one Richard Keyes. Here is his selected recipe from 1990 celebrity cookbook, Food for Thought. He selected, Charlie, steak au poivre. Big, big old picture, Richard Keyes there. And the quote underneath his picture is, I enjoy hot, spicy food. Hence, this is one of my favourites. And, uh, of course, they are obliged, Charlie, to give the method for their recipe. This is, uh, this is Richard Key's recipe for steak au poivre. Spread a thick layer of Dijon mustard on both sides of the steak. Crush the peppercorns and garlic and sprinkle on both sides of the steak. Melt the butter in a thick bottom frying pan until hot and sizzle the steak for two to three minutes on each side, yep. depending on the thickness of steak and how well you like them cooked. Okay. Now... Andy, does that sound like the sort of rest? No. <laughs> no. When serving, turn the steak out onto warmed plates and pour the pan juices over it. If you don't like your food too spicy, don't use too many peppercorns. That's it. Fried steak on a plate. <laughs> I cooked it for Reedy the other day. He loved it. Reedy said it was like being in a French restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there it is. So if you ever, if you ever. Richard Keyes is ever coming round to yours for dinner. Steak au poivre. This is from Cameron Christie, who has stumbled across 2009 charity cookbook, The Caledonian Kitchen, in which Andy Gray gives his recipe for beef au lait. Wow. Let me give you the ingredients first. One pound of mince, (laughs) one large onion chopped, small tin of sweet corn, one tin of condensed cream of tomato soup, 
one small can of tomato puree, one teaspoon of chilli powder, seasoning, eight ounces of noodles cooked and drained, four ounces of cheddar cheese grated. And here is the method. Fry the mince and onion in a heavy base pan, add all the ingredients to the pan with the exception of the noodles and cheese, and mix well. In an oven-proof dish, alternate layers of meat mixture and noodles. <laughs> Sprinkle the cheese on top. Cook in an oven for 160 degrees for 35 minutes. That sounds rank. I've never heard anything oh. like it. Oh, Meats my. noodles. God. Beef ole. Beef ole. Oh, where, where did that come from? The Caledonian... The Caledonian Kitchen. Charity Cookbook 2009. What a discovery. That's absolutely sensational. <laughs> I... That Pizza. just sounds Olay. Olay is in Olay is in milk. Um, Olay, not Olay, yeah, with the accent. Yeah. Oh, I always went like beef Olay, like, 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 like yeah. milky beef. <laughs> no, not some sort of Celtic <laughs> milky um, beef <laughs> mishmash. No, no, this is beef noodles and tomato soup in layers. <laughs> oh my god! Thirty-five minutes. You're going to cook the shit out of that in thirty-five minutes. Um, Low temperature though. Yeah. So I mean. You know, you're on death row, Dave. Are you yeah. having steak au poire cooked by Richard Keyes? Or are you having beef au lait cooked by Andy Cray? I mean, I I think I probably would go with the beef au lait. Interesting. As, really? I, I think I probably would. I don't, want, I don't want an overdone, knackered old steak with a bit of pepper on it. <laughs> I want, you know, if I'm going to have either, if I'm choosing from either, at least, I mean, it, might, it seems unconventional, but the beef and the noodles and tomato sauce might be all right. How many women do you think that he has cooked this for, Charlie? <laughs> I, uh, a lot. I would go, I think I'd go steak au poivre. Fair enough. Out of the two of them. It's classier. I think classier. that might, there might be something salvageable in that. I mean, yeah. people, they could just, at least if the, if the beef's good. Tweak it. You've got it all right. Add something else on the plate. You'll be all right. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. But yeah. Yeah. Good to see they're both keen cooks. Everyone else is winding down for Christmas. The Athletics Club podcasts are firing back up over the festive period to celebrate the return of domestic football. Catch Talk of the Devils, Handbrake Off, The Phil Hay Show, and all your favourite club shows. None of that World Cup nonsense is behind us. All are free to listen to, of course, on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Comedian Maisie Adam was our next guest on Mesut Harland Dicks and we immediately grilled her about what it was like to complete one of elite football's holy grails, the hardest skill in the game, one only a precious few have ever achieved on a cold televised morning at the Sky Sports studios. Speaking of your locker, though, yes, um, the one thing that really qualified you to be on this podcast, yeah. even more than anything else... And I know I, where I, you're going with this, Adam. I well, know where honest, you're going. Come we're on. Delighted. We're delighted to be the latest stop on your world tour of talking about your top bins on Soccer AM. Oh, <laughs> my God. Shall we watch it? I think we should. Think yes, we please. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Pow! Look at that. No problem. No problem. Oh, I must have shown that to... It's got to be in the triple numbers by now. I've shown it to. Yeah. Presumably uh, you've bookmarked it and favourited it. Oh, and... yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that. It's gone in every family WhatsApp group, every friend WhatsApp group. Uh, I tracked down my old PE teacher <laughs> um, on Facebook to message her to show her it. Um, and I was so embarrassed. I sent, I sent her being like, oh, is this not the best thing you've ever seen? And then was like really embarrassed being like, oh, for God's sake, why have you done that? That's so sad. She's probably going to think you're a right idiot. And then she replied um, like an hour later saying, um, saying form is temporary, class is permanent. Oh, <laughs> best day of my life. Best day of my life. Producer Davis pointed out that it's identical. Your, pe- your, your, your top bins effort on Soccer AM was identical to Harry Maguire's penalty in the Euro, in the Euro 2020 final. Oh, my God, yeah. Reese James pointed this out as well. <laughs> he replied on Twitter saying uh, Maguire's Euro's penalty. I mean, not wrong. If there was a net to be broken, 
I would have I would have broken it. Listen, Miss Bassendale was correct. Form is temporary, but class is indeed permanent. I'm not arguing with her. I'm not Unless arguing. Unless Miss Bassendale was sort of negging you and saying, "Well, you know, you fluked a good one here, but you lack the permanent class." Is was she definitely complimenting you? She was definitely you? saying it in sure. a complimentary way. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Plenty who have talked about this effort yeah. have debated the technicalities of the achievement. The fact that it was in the rehearsal. Oh, listen, sort of I'm not having any of that. I'm not having any of that. Who was it that told me that that didn't count? Was it... I think it was Josh Widdicombe. <laughs> and I was like, I am not having from Josh Widdicombe what constitutes a good penalty. No, thank you. No way. Of all people. Listen, so my only shot, literally, was rehearsal. And I had one shot and I took it and it went in like seamlessly a la Alan Shearer no you're, you're rightly proud of it and, and increasingly defensive of it but that's fine I too I know <laughs> um, you've got in my your... head about Miss Bassendale's compliment <laughs> stop talking about Mrs Bassendale welcome to Mesa Holland Dicks with Mrs Bassendale <laughs> um, but my final point on this is this your ticket to Soccer Aid 2022 because I mean, last year you basically tweeted a come and get me plea to Soccer Aid which was most undignified no one should do that sorry um, no 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 um, I will I will put you right on this okay <laughs> I, I will uh, give up dignity to get Soccer Aid to put some ladies on that blooming sausage fest of a team they had Stephen Mulder Hearn come on in fancy dress within two minutes he got a yellow card after openly declaring he didn't understand the rules of the game so as much as we joke about oh it was so undignified to get in touch with soccer aid about it I will undignify myself to the end uh until the people there understand that um women can play football guys we've watched lee mack miss a penalty is it three years in a row now i mean i think he finally got one last year didn't he but uh i as a football fan watch that and know that i could i could take him do you know like you look at half i'm not being a dick but you you look at half and you go i could, I could do that I, d- I don't think my tits would get in the way of the ball <laughs> sorry lads but i think i think i'll be all right no i mean apart from the fact we've established you can't do it on live tv you have to do it in rehearsal. Oh, other than that fuck off, Adam. <laughs> other than that i think you're okay so yeah, yeah maybe maybe <laughs> maybe i can break that glass ceiling and make the soccer aid rehearsal the campaign starts here Next, the brilliant Seamus O'Reilly, he just gets it, joined us for his MHD, including some theories on how and why the quaint custom of the FA Cup final song died a very quiet post-millennial death. Finally on this point, Seamus, let's try and think of some theories for the demise, if, if not a you know cohesive timeline for it. Listener Tom Muldoney writes in and says, I actually think the killer blow was Arsenal's hot stuff in 1998 for the reason that replacing looking for some hot stuff baby this evening with the borderline unscannable we got Matthew and Lewis playing some hot stuff is criminal. Let's hear that bit in fact. Seamus, listing the players in your squad should be a straightforward affair for something like this, but when you're listing uh, things like Matthew Upson, five appearances <laughs> that season, one in the FA Cup, and that was a fifth-round replay, uh, you are stretching it. You're stretching the format to its to its very limits, its mortal limits. Yeah, and also the fact that you've set up the, you've set up the kind of internal game of the song by saying, oh, we need to name as many people as possible. And then in the one line where they list, I think, 14 players in as many syllables, it seems. <laughs> and then they've got Matthew and Lewis playing some hot stuff. Boldly. I mean, they, they do get this sort of going into the chorus line, so that's high prominence. But it's incredibly vague, and I don't exactly know what hot stuff exactly means. As Manchester United's doldrums era looks set to extend for a full decade, we took stock of Sky's full-time State of Manchester United football club analyst, Gary Neville's key phrases. Meanwhile in the gantry at Old Trafford, 
Um, George Dunn has pointed me towards the recording of the Gary Neville podcast, which is which is done up in the gantry with Martin Tyler after a televised game. And uh, so embedded in my brain is Gary Neville's voice now as part of the football tapestry, the weekend's coverage. I felt important to do this montage. This is Gary Neville essentially doing his two favourite phrases over and over again. Um, to the point where it actually gets really quite weird. Absolutely way off it at this moment in time. This football club, football club. This is a great football club. This is a great football club. And there could be very good people in this football club. There are very good people in this football club. But you can't run this football club by Zoom at this moment in time. At this moment in time. But I think at this moment in time, it's a great football club. At this moment in time, it's a football club. At this moment in time, football club. In a football club. At this moment in time, the football club. At this moment in time, no football club. At this moment in time, who is the voice of this football club? Charlie, can we just please give Gary Neville something else to talk about other than the state of Manchester United Football Club at this current moment in time? This moment in time, which we've spoken about. Many mm. times before. Mm. I, wa- I do wonder if here... Do you say this is on his podcast? Yeah. So he's coming off the back of doing the game as well. I do wonder if he's slightly an autopilot by this point. I mean, he's he's been talking so much. He's done the game. He's probably a bit frazzled. And it just sort of... I don't know. It, it all just comes no, out even as, more as, than as, usual. Yeah, as Adam says, though, he's been talking about this topic on, on repeat for... Uh, well, coming up to a decade mm. almost, mm. pretty much. Still very like, passionate about it. I mean, no, no uh, question yeah. about that. Um, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I just, just amazed that I got all of that out of just 15 minutes of footage. Mm. Absolutely astonishing. It was our pleasure in April to welcome the inimitable, irrepressible South American football oracle Tim Vickery to the Clichés pod. And he had a whole new area of the pitch to reveal to our tiny English brains. It's one of those things that drives me mad when I'm watching a game. You know, the centre-back just playing straight forward because it's bad, bad football. Well, yeah, we've got Charles Reap on next week, so I'll ask, we'll ask him what he thinks about this. But, um, OK, so I'm not, I'm, I'm not necessarily getting the vibe that you're advocating kind of possession football for possession's sake. No. But in, in Brazilian football, which, which I think it's safe to say, I, I don't feel like I'm embracing cliche too much here to say that it's a completely different rhythm to watching, say, a Premier League game, for, for better or worse. But in Brazilian football... Do they still? Would you still say hear like a groan when the ball is kind of passed backwards yes. or sideways? Yes, when it massively. Gone forward? massively. Do they still have it in their vocabulary? Massively. It's it's a real problem actually. The impatience of the crowd, right? Uh, and some of the foreign coaches who've come to Brazil have really remarked on this. You know that when the ball is in the zone of elaboration, the midfield. What? What? Sorry, what's this? <laughs> the zone of elaboration. You got you got Where one zone for, to to defend. You got one zone to elaborate, and you got one zone to finish. Oh, this is great. Is the zone of elaboration the midfield? Yes. Yeah. yeah but because okay. what, Charlie, you have to get zone of elaboration into your next Tottenham match report. That noted. is a fact. Because <laughs> what an incredible phrase. What, what are you trying to do in that? You see how my thinking about football has been contaminated by Spanish and Portuguese. There's a lot of moaning about Spain going on here. I mean, the, the word that the, mm. the, 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 the TV pundits use more than anything else is objective, meaning vertical, meaning direct. No, it's oh, right. one of, I remember I remember Brazilian TV showing an Argentina game. And honestly, within the first three minutes, they were complaining about Argentina not being objective enough, not being direct enough. Oh, wow. You, you, you have to bury some of your preconceptions to get into this, which is one of the, one of the great things about going to a foreign culture. You have to work out what's reality and, 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 and what's myth. Um, and and uh, so that you, you clearly see in the zone of elaboration the lack of patience from the crowd transmitting itself to the players. Ah, I see that old classic. I'd love to know how early nineties Cambridge United would get on in the in the Paulista or something these days. That'd be great to see. They, they love those. A sensational discovery next, as the cliches pod were presented with the nineteen nineties WWE voice twin of everyone's sixth favourite midweek Champions League commentator, Dave. Just for you, but also for me too, and Charlie. Some rare approved wrestling action. Because as Tom Worsley points out, this mid-1990s WWF co-commentator sounds exactly like Ian Dark. (laughs) The Hawkster goes to work. And Hogan making a tremendous recovery here, slamming the head of the Undertaker into the turnbuckle. And what a great, great champion Hogan has proven to be. Nobody, but nobody has done this to the Undertaker. (laughs) Alfred Hayes, Hulk Hogan is bleeding. 
I received a laceration somewhere. Well, he's taken some tremendous heavy blows from the Undertaker, and he's going for the tombstone. Oh. Is this it? Do we have a new champion here in the World Wrestling Federation? <laughs> Absolutely perfect. It's absolutely perfect. This is, of course, Hulk Hogan versus The Undertaker for the very first time at Hulkamania 6, July 1991, Dave. Um, it's, it's bang on. I think that was actually the name of the VHS rather than the event itself. Oh, fuck off. Just to, fuck off. Just to correct you. <laughs> yeah, no such thing. As... You can keep that one in. You can keep that one in. Don't mind. It is good, though. It, it works. So, because... Um, Ian Dark does has done a bit of boxing. He, he does in his boxing time. exactly, yeah. so mm. I, it sounded really familiar. Who is it? Who the hell is it? It's Lord Alfred Hayes, who was a curious sort of anachronism. He, he kind right. of, he, I think he was mates with Vince McMahon, who's the boss of the WWF. His dad, he was mates with his dad, and sort of right. kept hanging around, even though he was like this weird English bloke who didn't fit in with anything. But there he was. Well, because even in the commentary there, it doesn't sound like him and the other guy. They're almost. It sounds like they're almost two separate entities. They mm. don't sound like they're really in sync with one another. Like he is yeah. just sort of going rogue. I don't know if but he ever even, did any football. I doubt it. It could, it could easily pass as Ian Dark, but it's not just the accent, Charlie. It's like it's kind of the rhythm, the tone, yeah, everything's yeah, yeah. exactly as Ian Dark commentates. It's fascinating. It really is. It, it does, because of the boxing thing. It really does sound like mm. it. It almost could be him. Yeah. I mean, how did they, so this guy was just watching, or, or <laughs> I guess maybe he was just reminded of his his Hulkamania VHS and oh, it went out my together. mind when I heard it for the first time. That was absolutely sensational. Tom Worsley, credit to you. We should really try and find some Ian Dark from boxing and put them side by side to really mm. do the uh, the ultimate test here. Mm. So let's have a listen. But again, his head's in the clear. Another huge vintage Tyson right. Explodes against the jaw of Williams and are making a tremendous recovery here, slamming the head of the Undertaker into the turnbuckle. He's in big trouble and he goes down. Only the ropes kept him out. 38 year old Vantation. We could be on the brink of a sensation. From the Undertaker and he's got him for the tombstone. Oh, a sensational win for Danny Williams. Meanwhile, the adjudication panel got digging deep into what precisely constitutes the much-referenced basics of football. Who knew it could all be so complex? Defending Charlie, you know, getting the boot in where it hurts, etc. Strikes me as it could qualify as one of the basics. That is what proper football men demand from their team, often when it hasn't happened. What are the basics? Tell me what run, run me through what the basics are. I feel like the first one on the list should be getting to the ball first. Mm. Sunes loves the basic. Winning your headers. Mm. Um, yeah, being the being completely committed yeah. to your tackles, um, running around a lot and looking like you're... <laughs> that, you, <laughs> that you care and that you're invested. Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess the way reverse engineer is like, th- these are basic things. Get, like simple part, make your simple pass. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. these are basic things they're not doing. So we've got we've got tackling and running and closing down, which I think could could exist under the umbrella term winning your battles. Yes, yeah, second balls. Second balls, yeah, that's basics. Or oh, is it basic? Yeah, I suppose it is. Um, clearing, short passing, clearing, clearing your lines if you need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah these are basic things that you you know. Yeah. No nonsense, basic. Um, what about concentration? What about mentality? Like you've got to be switched on at a corner, Dave. That's basic, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Like yeah, following your man, being tight, mm. being gold side, all that stuff. Um, yeah. Not what ball about um, yeah. looking along the line if you're a striker. Oh, yeah. oh I like this. That's that's advanced basics. Yes, so. that is <laughs> A level basics. <laughs> Anything that annoys a co-commentator when it doesn't happen, yeah. it has to be in see, the realm of... You can see right on right the line there. Line. That's basic. They teach that under 13s. That's <laughs> basics for me. One of the most... But if you, if you foul throw, I mean, that is... that is These are basic yeah. things. But that is that's I mean, that's seriously basic. Yeah. I think yeah. it's almost sub-basics. Yeah, it I might be. It, is <laughs> it might be. Yeah. It's like, yeah, pr- it's it's like, like kindergarten. Yeah, you wouldn't even be praised for doing it. No, no, no exactly. Because you would get praised for doing the basics on a consistent basis. So, yeah, yeah. the basics are a very precise concept. Thought this was going to be a fluffy bit of the podcast. It wasn't. 
Crucial, crucial. April saw pod furniture piece Charlie Eccleshare out to defend his cliches quiz title against mandatory challenger James Moore. This was the painfully niche moment, perhaps, when that title defence began to crumble. James Moore leads 5-4 after two questions of round two. Question three. You will need to shout your name as soon as you know the answer to this. It's fastest mouths first, please. This is a genuinely fucking brilliant question. I'm so delighted I've got this. Are you ready with your names? Yes. In 2006, Ian Wright became the first and indeed only footballer to win this annual award, whose other winners since 1976 include Barbara Windsor... James... Rear of the Year. Rear of the Year. Rear of the Year is correct. Incredible. Well done. Ian Wright won Rear of the Year in 2006, also won by Barbara Windsor, Frank Skinner, Carol Vorderman twice. Can I just say, that was in my head before even Barbara Windsor. Mm. Last awarded in 2019, not held since. Yeah, it's been discontinued, hasn't it? I think it's political correctness gone mad. I'm not sure. I think it kind of... It was was for charity as well, so it it overcame that. And... uh, yeah, once they made it a dual men and women thing, I think it, I think it was all right. But yeah, um, not sure why. I'll have to get in touch with the organisers. But James Moore leads 6-4 after three questions of round two. Next on MHD was football broadcasting legend Ned Bolting, who had these tales to tell of an off-duty Peter Drury and a, shall we say, on-the-job Sam Allardyce. And quite often we would be, um, occasionally we'd be away at Fiorentina, for example, the night before our match in the, uh, perhaps in the Europa League or on a, on a, no, that was right, on a Wednesday night, but there'd be a Champions League match going on on a Tuesday night and we'd have the evening off. So we'd all find ourselves watching this match in a, in a pub in Fiorentina and Drury loved these moments. He lived for these moments because he was unleashed, un, unconstrained by the... <laughs> unleashed. Unfettered. by the constraints of Ofcom or, 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 or doing things in the perfectly manicured way verbally that he does uh, when he's actually broadcasting. I saw the raw Drury and, and all that passion that comes across in his very erudite manner just buried beneath the kind of velvety surface of his words. Um, forget mm. all that. It's just, it's just Drury going, shoot and kick him! <laughs> Kick him! <laughs> Man on! He just becomes oh, a bellowing maniac. Really good Drury impression. <laughs> really Shoot! Good. But, but <laughs> wow. I also worked with him, I have to say, um, on uh, latterly, uh, uh, towards the end of my time at ITV Sport, uh, um, on the darts, on darts coverage. That yeah. we, but I, I still work on the darts, and Peter did two or three years commentating on the darts, which he did really well. And I remember seeing him sort of quite late on at the Civic Centre Wolverhampton, and he had his last match at 10 o'clock at night that he was going to commentate on. And he said to me, do you know what, Ned? I'm going to have a pint of lager before I commentate. <laughs> <laughs> Something you'd never do for football. But um, yeah, I mean, Peter Drury, I think we can all agree, is one of the greatest things uh, in, mo- in the modern game. Peter Drury is a kind of recurring character in your book. He, he just weaves his way in and out of your life over the course of 20 years or so. There are a couple of exceptional scenarios that you present Peter Drury. <laughs> the first is Germany 2006 during the World Cup. This curious scenario of a big people carrier <laughs> driving around the country with you, Peter Drury, and Sam Allardyce. Big Sam. Big Sam. And um, you stop at a service station to um, <laughs> unload. Here it goes. Big Sam turned left. We heard a cubicle door slam shut. The soft sound of a pair of suit trousers and the metallic clang of a belt hitting the tiled floor. And then one I could only describe as a cry of victory from the Bolton Wanderers manager. Peter Drury and I dared not look at each other for fear of what might happen. Instead, wordlessly, we finished up and got out of the loo as soon as we could, only subsiding into helpless laughter when we were back in the safety of the car. What an image. <laughs> yeah. um, Charlie, we've, we've talked on this podcast about satisfying noises in football. Um, um, the thwack <laughs> of a ball against a stanchion, for example. The, the thud of a 50-50 challenge. I don't think we ever considered <laughs> the metallic clang of Sam Allardyce's belts on a German service station toilet floor. <laughs> <laughs> and yet we can all imagine it perfectly. What was the roar, Ned? 
<laughs> could you could you could you recreate it for us? Well, it was, I suppose it's not dissimilar to the the dreary roar of of unfettered commentary, except sl- slightly more northern and a little bit lower pitched. But it was um, it was the it was the it was the sound. Is it that much of an achievement? It was I the sound. Understand. It was the sound of a large ruminant mammal in pain. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that, that that journey across Germany with the three of us was I, I will never forget it. I will never forget the the sheer unending monologue of Sam of Sam's commentary. But there we go. Yeah. The adjudication panel was licking its lips in May as one televised Romelu Lukaku penalty opened up an entire can of football linguistic worms. We couldn't just stand by and let these things happen. Next up, fascinating cluster of uh, commentary gems here, Charlie. Um, I put it to you that football punditry is officially on the beach with these. First up, Robbo Flaneur writes in, says, Gary Breen on Premier Sports in Ireland uh, just said it'll have to be a good strike to beat this goalkeeper as Lukaku was lining up to take Chelsea's penalty against Wolves. (laughs) Can't have that for a penalty, (laughs) can we? (laughs) Have to be some hit from this distance. (laughs) It's such ridiculous. (laughs) It's a penalty. You could, you could just about excuse it, Nick, if the goalkeeper was a was a outlandishly good penalty saving specialist. But even then, it would sound weird because we we all know where where that phrase should be applied. It's twenty five yarders that don't go in. Yeah, it's uh, you, you, no. You, I, I don't think I don't think there's any there any circumstances, even if it's like you know Thibaut Courtois against an under eleven player. I'm not sure you can. <laughs> I'm not sure you can apply. You can play around with the be... variables as much as you like. It's not going to no, work, is it? No, 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 no. no you can't, can't apply that to a penalty under no circumstances. Um, we go deeper into this penalty situation. Adam Nathan writes in, Nick, and says, can a penalty go into the far corner, as Lee Hendry has just described for Lukaku? <laughs> well, no. I mean, presumably what he means is the far corner from where he's sitting. But um... No, I don't, think he, I don't think so. I don't think, think so. Oh, I well, think he I means mean, he's I... cut across it. I think Hendry was in. Right. The, Hendry presumably was doing soccer Saturday, so he wasn't. You know, he wasn't physically there. Charlie, do you have a theory on this? Well, no. I, I'm imagining by far corner he means a player has kind of hit it across themselves. So, so if you're talking about Lukaku, you're saying he's gone with his left foot and he's hit it to the keeper's left, and uh, that well, the near uh, post would be that one where you kind of just place it into the other corner. I mean, again, I'm not advocating this. <laughs> but. I, I sense, Charlie, you're closer to the truth, but you've, you've got the crucial fact wrong. Lukaku actually side-footed it into the bottom left corner as he looked, ah. which yes, I can true. kind of see why Henry would have described that as the far corner. It's kind of, you've bent your body, and therefore the post that post is the furthest away from you, so it becomes the far <laughs> corner. It, mm. The more I think about it, the more it kind of, it kind of works, but, but we can't have it. The other we? corner definitely is not. It's not the, know, near, the post, near post, is it? Is it? <laughs> he snuck his penalty in at the near post. No. It's... My goodness. Um, so that's two for two on this penalty situation. Nick, here's number three. Ois Majid writes in and says, on TalkSport 2's commentary of Chelsea versus Wolves, Romelu Lukaku was described as bearing down on goal <laughs> while he was on the penalty spot waiting to take it. <laughs> I mean, I suppose that's technically... I mean... That's technically correct because he's he is also technically one on one with a goalkeeper, and he has he is advancing towards the goal. But again, no, it's not it's not it's not right. It's not no. right. Charlie, I think this might be the worst of the three. Actually, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that is spectacular. I honestly, it's the first time in cliche's history. I haven't got a spreadsheet to prove it. That the same incident has produced three very different <laughs> claims to the adjudication panel. Meanwhile, it turned out that one long-running UK sitcom of the 1990s had all the ingredients for a truly epic terrorist chant. Just try and stop yourself singing along. Go on. Now, listener Alex Kajelski points out that the theme tune for Birds of a Feather would itself make a textbook pre-game song for a club. Um, If anyone isn't aware or simply isn't old enough to know the theme tune to Birds of a Feather, here it is. What'll I do? When you 
There's something in the simplicity of the lyrics, the fact that they could vaguely be applied to the yearning for something that's that's gone that they love. Nice even rhythm to it. Nick, I feel like this would work. Yeah, I can 100% picture uh, a group of. But I'm thinking more weirdly in a like a in the pub pre-match mm. than actually at the game. Okay. Some lads who have had a few too many pints getting a little bit teary as they link arms and you know sing this sing this one. Yeah, I think it definitely works. Uh, the real icing on the cake for this, Charlie, is that um, the the ending, the kind of just the prolonged note at the end really does lend itself to a kind of round of applause as everyone sort of congratulates yeah, themselves yeah. before before the ball is kicked. Um, but, so um, allow me, if I may. What a like day <laughs> when you are far away and I am blue. What a like day <laughs> when I'm alone. He's still going. <laughs> In June, one of the very best moments of the podcast in 2022, as Tottenham's sceptical but respectful Pierre-Emil Hoiberg tried some Korean delicacies for the first time. This one, this one's great. This is from Eddie Rose, who has pointed me towards a very heartwarming, wholesome piece of in-house club video content. This is um, a small gaggle of Spurs players joining Son Heung-min to try some staples of Korean barbecue. And... uh, Eric Dyer gets involved, has a great time. Hugo Lloris enjoys a bit of steak, blah 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 And uh, Pierre-Emil Huyberg gets stuck into some Gyeran Jim, which is a Korean steamed eggs. It's a bit like a souffle, basically. And uh, when asked for his opinion on some Gyeran Jim, he answers in the most footballer way possible. Oh, this is very nice as well. Gyeran Jim, you like that? Oh, like no disrespect to egg. Yeah. But I'm surprised how yeah. flavoury it is. Yeah, it's well seasoned, right? <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect to egg. <laughs> no disrespect to egg. And and this is a uh, maybe I'm picking on someone's talking their second language here, but also it's egg, not eggs. No, don't not. It's not no disrespect to egg. It's the concept of egg. Egg. Yeah, either the concept of egg or that specific egg. Does he not also gesture towards what was presumably an egg on the table? It's like like he was directly addressing that particular egg. No disrespect, (laughs) mate, but this is delicious. I think when you call it egg and not eggs, that's when you start to think of it in the in the context of of cooked egg yeah. as, as a mass, yeah, yeah, I suppose so. rather yeah. than an object, um, which I, I, I actually think makes it better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no disrespect to the concept of cooked congealed egg, but <laughs> all credit to egg. Yeah, <laughs> all credit to it. <laughs> take the egg to take the hat off to itself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, I love it. I've listened to it so many times and it just gets better every single time. And the only person that cracks up in this video is the Korean food expert they've got who just absolutely bends over double <laughs> at Pierre Emil Hoiberg showing no disrespect to Egg. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love football and I love the way they talk. It's fantastic. Ah... Ever wondered what the average coordinates for a Premier League goal were? Wonder no more, because one very bored cliches listener has found the centre of the top-flight goal-scoring universe. Close season undertaking of the week, part one, Dave. Matthew C.R. tweets that he's crunched some data and has calculated the mean average latitude and longitude of a goal scored in the Premier League to be roughly 52 degrees, 40 minutes, 4.2 seconds north, 1 degree, 21 minutes, 40.5 seconds west. So every goal scored in the Premier League last season, he has approximated to a very specific point in the UK. And it turns out to be a solar farm about a mile from the Leicestershire village of Bagworth. (laughs) Appropriate. (laughs) Amazing. Superb. The, bag, the bagsman from Bagworth <laughs> scores again. <laughs> All right, Drury. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bagworth. Beautiful. Bed, Bagworth. Bedlam. Bedlam. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, but this is important work, isn't it, Charlie? Um, no one's ever done this before, and uh, I don't understand why, but someone has done it now. I applaud him. That's brilliant work. Brilliant. Not sure what to do with this data, though. Uh, but yeah, but there should just be a, enjoy it. You know, annual pilgrimage. There should be an yeah, annual a pilgrimage or something to Bagworth. <laughs> <laughs> a little stone. <laughs> if we don't do it, football focus will. So. Uh, <laughs> Bringing the first half of the football cliches year to a close was a man who simply refuses to stop doing his nostalgic ex-footballer at a meet and greet duties. This was the most disturbing cliches pod montage of 2022. Question for you, Nick. A friend of mine was at a corporate golf day recently. Now, let's safely estimate that the average age of the attendees at a corporate golf day are about 44 years old, let's say. On that basis, I want you to guess the ex-footballer who was the star guest and which musical party piece they performed. You will guess first. I'd, uh, Jimmy Bullard? Uh, I haven't got a musical party piece. What would his musical party piece be? Some sort of swing thing, like the sort of sub-Sinatra croon? Maybe, or a kind of gareth ainsworth style attempt at a you know a rock rock song or something I don't oh, know. okay so you've gone with jimmy bullard and a rock song james moore <laughs> yeah uh so you said the average age would be like what so mid 40s did you say that's what i'm reckon yeah so I, i'm kind of thinking like mm, mid 90s F, fa carling premiership era yeah let's interesting say. okay uh and with that in mind, I'm going to say Dion Dubbin with the Jube playing Dancing in the Moonlight. Interesting. <laughs> um, both very niche suggestions, and I have to say they are both wrong. Um, Nick's was more wrong, but both are indeed wrong. Of course, the answer is John Barnes doing his oh. rap from World in Motion at yet another corporate event. Now, I don't... At this stage, I want to make clear that I do not begrudge... John Barnes doing the World in Motion rap at any opportunity. It's entirely up to him. It's his intellectual property after all. But it did make me wonder, just how many times has John Barnes done his World in Motion rap at various events of any kind? Now, I had two options here. Having spent all morning gathering the, uh, gathering the material, do I play them back to back? No, would take ages. We're quite boring, quite repetitive after a while. Let's play them all at the very same time. Jesus. The Athletic. Hey, this is Andrew Schlecht from The Athletic. The NBA Finals begins on June 6th, and we have you covered at The Athletic NBA Show. Join us Monday through Friday to hear voices like Zach Harper, David Aldridge, Marcus Thompson, Dave DeFore, Sam Amick, and many more. We will have instant reaction shows after every finals game, plus podcasts to take you behind the scenes in between games. Listen to The Athletic NBA Show wherever you get your podcasts.